0: Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? You desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20 or 30 years? I'm MC Lowshear and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lobshire, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at medical cost sharing as a great healthcare solution for small business owners. My guest in this episode to dive into this topic is healthcare solutions expert and partner at Accelerated Consulting, Tom Lindsay. Tom, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. So glad to be here.
0: Yeah, great to connect. Uh for my listeners that's not familiar with you and what you do, could you please share a little bit about your background and journey with them?
1: Yeah, um actually I have been in the what's called the professional employer organization industry uh my entire career since I kind of fell off the turnup truck in 1993. If you're not familiar with that, it's it's a business where we take over as the employer and handle the payroll the hr the work comp insurance the employee benefits workplace safety basically relieving small and mid-sized employers from the burden that is placed upon them by government you know they go into business they don't go into business to be an employer right they go into business to produce a product deliver a service but to do that they have to hire people and then once they do that they become a tax collector and a and a you know a compliance um, organization and they're just burdened with a tremendous amount of regulation that they don't even know they are you know applies to them and it becomes very costly and you know especially if you learn the hard way and so that's what a, a peo is designed to come in and help you know they a peo went into business to be an employer and so they know what what it takes. And so I've been in that business, yeah, since 1993, two different companies primarily. Uh, the last one um, I co-founded in 2004 and then uh, through some dilution loss control in 2012 and went from CEO to COO, stayed there for about four years after that, sold my shares, resigned, went into the sales side of the business, totally just, I don't know what I was thinking because I've always been, on the operations side, went into the sales side, um, and one of the things that happened is I I lost my group health coverage, and I was thrust into the individual marketplace, and I was shocked by <laughs> what I found, and actually, you know, I took a huge pay cut and and then couldn't afford the the cobra premium, and ended up going, you know. Uninsured for a little while and then underinsured for a little while until I finally found a solution, which I just absolutely fell head over heels for. And um I took my little sales organization and uh merged it in with my former um business partner and former CFO at the at the last PEO. And together with another partner, we have launched this new endeavor, kind of a a offshoot of our traditional PO brokering and and retail agency business, um, a little thing called Pure Health, and now we're uh, we're out preaching the uh, benefits of medical cost sharing in lieu of traditional health insurance.
0: I think what you just described is uh, a journey that a lot of folks go through, listeners of the show, once, uh, you know, when they, let's just say they start a side hustle, they built that up into a business and eventually they leave their employment. There, th- These are one of the things that you run into where you're like, well, <laughs> what do I do now? You know, especially when it comes with healthcare, because when you go into the market, as you just uh, uh, stated and shared, it's quite frightening and maybe you want to share a little bit of how frightening and how broken this healthcare system is. Cause uh, it's, I mean, I couldn't think of anyone or anything that could mess something up this badly. <laughs> no, you- so it's, it's, it's spectacularly bad. If that's even a word.
1: Yeah. You you couldn't, even if you had like a master plan to screw it up this bad, that'd be hard to do. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. I mean, it cost me seventeen hundred and fifty dollars a month to replace what I had that was, you know, fully employer paid in the individual market. Seventeen fifty a month for mm-hmm. a large deductible, you know, five thousand dollar deductible. Actually, no, that's not true. Sorry, that it was a five hundred, uh, no, a thousand dollar deductible for seventeen fifty a month, and <laughs> that's just that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. especially for you know a family that doesn't have any health issues right right and uh it was just it was unsustainable so uh, but the system is and you can't really imagine just how broken it is until you really start to dig into it i mean you know what on the surface as a user right you you know whenever you go to experience it you know, something's wrong. It's, it's overpriced. The service is bad. The, it's complicated. Um, but when you really start to dig into it to find out why it's just mind blowing. Um, it's essentially a, it's, I call it the medical industrial complex. I'm not the first yep. one to call it that. Um, it's also operates much like a cartel and in that they, they band together in order to, you know, quash competition and utilize, you know, crony capitalism in essence and huge lobbying efforts and big money to to maintain their position. It's broken, it's broken to the point where it just, you can't really fix it, it needs to be replaced. And the only way it's gonna happen is if we rise up as consumers and fix it
0: ourselves. The 1% grow their business and investments every year. Regardless of the economy and marketplace, and pay very little or no taxes legally. Besides having the right mindset, elite strategies and tactics, and the counsel of elite wealth advisors, coaches, and mentors, they have access to opportunities that the rest of the population do not. If you're an accredited investor, we have a network that provides cash flow ninja listeners access to exclusive business and investment opportunities. To join our investors network, please apply at CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. That's CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com yeah it's it's just i'm just thinking of when you ma- mention it, it's it's almost like a cartel and <laughs> I almost feel like shaken down every time i'm just interacting uh in with medical services and and so forth um you could have everything set up your insurance and your doctors that are in network and so forth and you go to let's just say a hospital that's in network with a doctor that's in network and then all of a sudden you know there's somebody that put a you know, a bandaid on you (laughs) that's out (laughs) of network (laughs) and you get a, I mean, and this has happened to, to, to us as a family twice, like in the last year, we get, we get a bill and they're like, well, you know, this person that came in that did this was not in your network.
1: Absolutely. It's <laughs> happened to me. It just happened to my business partner, Steve, who had who had knee surgery. He goes, yeah. you know, it's in network. Everybody's in network. The hospital, the doctor, he goes in, he he gets it, the procedure done. This this, of course, is after nine months of the insurance company telling the doctor what you know types of procedures need to be done before they'll get to the point of paying for the surgery. So in essence, they're kind of practicing medicine by virtue of the fact that they're telling you what they'll pay for, right? Even though the doctor said to him, hey, you don't need all this you know, nine months worth of steroid injections. It's not going to do anything for you, but we have to go through it anyway. Um, So then when that's done, like three or four months later, you get a bill for $1,500 from the anesthesiologist, because lo and behold, you forgot to ask the anesthesiologist while he was going down. If he was in network,
0: (laughs) it's just crazy. It's
1: disgusting. And it's yeah. (laughs) And, and it, you know, this is a big issue. Now it's, you know, if you're paying attention to the news or whatever, you, you know, balance billing, there's a crusade you now at the government level all of a sudden you know to step in and try and you know curb the practice of balanced billing, and it's you know happening at the state level uh, since the federal level is kind of slow, dragging their feet since you know they don't really do anything in our best interest,
0: anyway yeah. so. Yeah. So it's a mess and it's a big challenge for business owners and investors and folks that go off on their own. And this is a conversation that's come up a couple of times in even masterminds that I'm involved with, where folks are just asking, you know, what other folks are doing because they seem to run into the same issues that that we're describing here. Medical cost sharing is an alternative. Um, what... um if you could share a little bit about that, because we obviously need health care, um, you know, but w- how does that kind of play into uh, the the health insurance solution?
1: Yeah, well, what happened is, is my my eyes were completely opened. You know, my entire career, I'm like a compliance guy and insurance guy, right? Anytime, if had anyone said ever, ever said, hey, you can get health care without health insurance, like, I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, sure, yeah, if you you know pay for it all yourself, and if you have a you know, a million dollars stowed away for an emergency. Okay, great. Be self-insured. I get the concept of self-insurance that businesses do it all the time. But uh, for an individual, that's not a viable solution until one day I'm in in this uh, National Health Underwriters Association meeting and a guy named Dave Contorno gets up and starts talking and I'm just blown away. My mind is blown. I'm like, "I, I love this guy. I love everything he's saying. He's absolutely... Onto something. And he, one of the things he said is that healthcare or health insurance is just one way to pay for healthcare, right? So there are other ways. You know, imagine that. And uh, even before insurance came around, you know, back in the Babylonian times, you know, there was um, pooling, right? Where people would pool resources to pay for unexpected losses. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then insurance comes along. So pooling has been around a long time and that's essentially what medical cost sharing is, is it's a pooling of community resources in order to help each other with those unexpected expenses. And so it's, it's not insurance. There's no policy of insurance. There's no transfer of risk, you know, from one party to the other. There's no obligation on part of the the medical cost sharing community to, to, to pay for other people's medical expenses it's voluntary uh but but lo and behold you know people do it and they have integrity and they pay in and you know they they help others in anticipation that someday if they need it they'll be helped in return so i the way i kind of do it is i try to say you know look it it's not insurance that's one one thing there's no transfer risk you got to know that going in right right but you know think of it in these terms you know when you when you purchase insurance from an insurance company you you pay a premium when you join a medical cost sharing community you you pay a membership fee um, when you pay premium to a carrier you get a policy when you pay a membership fee to a medical cost sharing community you get there are membership guidelines that dictate what's shareable among the community just like the policy dictates what the insurance company will pay for right um when you buy insurance you you get a deductible uh you choose a deductible when you join a medical cost sharing community you you choose what's called an initial unshareable amount and so on and so forth so there there's there are parallels but they're not the same thing in terms of one is regulated, one is not. One's a transfer of risk; the other is not. You know, you're basically taking responsibility for your your healthcare. You become a cash pay uh, patient among in, you know in the medical community instead of a uh, of an insured individual, and that's a different dynamic. But but it works. It works tremendously well for millions and. The cost is, you know, can be up to sixty percent less. For me, it went from, you know, seventeen fifty down to around six hundred and forty, for what in essence is a better deal, right? Lower um, out-of-pocket expense, not to mention just the monthly payment.
0: My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are Hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. Can you walk us through an example of 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 some, let's just say that there is an illness or somebody needs surgery for example how how would that process look like for them with uh with medical cost sharing
1: sure so let's say you you've got a a child and they've got an earache right in mm-hmm. with medical car co- well let's well, with insurance, you would just you would schedule an appointment, or you'd go to the the ER, or you'd go to an urgent care, and and then from there you'd end up uh, seeing an oncologist, or I mean a, an ear, nose, throat person, right? And mm-hmm. then uh, there would be you know tubes and uh, antibiotics, and um, you'd probably rack up uh, a bill of around $3,000 and chances are under your health plan, you would pay most of that, you know, aside from the primary care visit or the specialist office visit, where you're just making a copay and then the insurance company's paying the difference. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: but because of the, the surgery, you, you, you'd end up paying the lion's share of that you know, say you'd say you'd end up paying, you know, 2,200, 2,300 of a $3,000 total bill. Uh, with medical cost sharing, you would, if you have a primary care physician, you would, you would go there or go to a urgent care. Um, even if you decided to go to the hospital, which isn't, or the ER, which isn't recommended, the first thing you should do is call the medical cost sharing community because they have healthcare navigators that, you know, will walk you through the the system um but either way let's say you you show up um you kind of follow this exact same procedure where you go to an urgent care and then to your nose throat and then have the tubes and you follow the same process in that scenario and it would end up costing you say five hundred dollars if that was the initial unshareable amount that you chose and and of course you would be not to mention the, the monthly savings and the difference between premium and the medical cost-sharing membership, you know, you'd know you be saving a lot on that every month. Then when you actually go to use it, it would be the difference in this scenario between $500 and say $2,300. Gotcha. So, and one other thing maybe to point out is that like with, with my business partner, Steve, when he had his knee surgery, he, had, he paid over $6,500 out of pocket. Again, that would have cost him Five hundred dollars plus, you would have been saving every month on the on the premium. And if the and now treatment for that knee surgery continues into the next year, so its deductible resets, right? Well, with medical cost sharing, the IUA this initial unshareable amount applies to the need, no matter how long it lasts. So it doesn't matter whether it spans multiple calendar years you still only have that one initial unshareable amount that you have to pay so the savings is actually even more significant and gotcha. uh, but you know there are downsides too right there's no pre-existing condition no no sharing for pre-existing conditions there's no sharing for anything you intentionally do to yourself or or if you are injured while while drunk and you're driving you know there's there's some things that the community won't share common sense things right that help transfer the the uh, you know the burden is back on you to act like a normal like you know like an intelligent
0: human being right so not engaging in risky behavior that's going to injure yourself and then um, and well end up becoming a cost to the people you know, the the community. Right. Um, Don't throw
1: on a flying suit and jump off a cliff thinking that, you know, you're okay because the community is standing behind you to cover you when you have your rough landing.
0: MC Lobshire, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system, to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less go to your own system.com that's your own banking system.com absolutely so and how does it how does the the company the health sharing company then pay for it is the their contributions besides the monthly payments from members for specific situations maybe you can speak a little bit to that too
1: It's just a pooling of the monthly member contributions, you know, basically the same way an insurance company funds its, uh, its business model, right? Mm -hmm. It's revenue source or premiums from its insureds. So this is, this is really very similar. It's uh, a pooling of the member fees that creates the fund with which to reimburse for eligible, Uh, medical expenses pursuant to the membership guidelines.
0: So like a good insurance company, they have to manage their float. They're taking in monies and then obviously through their algorithms and all of the the amazing math that insurance companies do—they kind of have an idea of what's going to go out and what it's going to cost them, and they have to manage their their flow just like an insurance company.
1: Sure, and the you know the law of large numbers comes into play. The the larger mm-hmm. they get, the more stable and predictable and um, manageable it, it it becomes. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're an actual an insurance actuary and you're and you're you know, trying to determine the um, adequate level of funding based on the population, your your number is going to be dramatically different when you're looking at the medical cost-sharing community because you're looking at the membership guidelines, right, as Mm -hmm. what the obligations are versus the insurance company's policy of insurance, you know, especially under A policy of insurance that's regulated by the aca where they have to cover pre-existing conditions where you know they have to pay for abortions where they have to cover everything in essence
0: right right and from an insurance standpoint for our listeners too obviously if you have an insurance business and you're forcing to do certain things like just let's just say the pre-existing condition stuff um, then obviously from an, and just purely from a business standpoint, you know, that there's going to be out of pocket money. So it, it, insurance in, in the end, you know, you, it, it ends up being math, right? How they, yeah. how they run yeah. their numbers and they yeah. have to, they have to accommodate for certain things like that. So it throws off the numbers a little bit and it increases costs as a whole, to everyone that is, uh, you know, um, members of that insurer, policyholders of that insurance company. Yeah,
1: but the and the other big difference is they have to account for their profit margin, right? And their and their expense load, right? Their operating expenses, and their operating expenses are no trivial matter. Uh, not because they need to be that expensive, but they choose to be that expensive, right? With right. tremendous, you know, salaries at the executive levels with. Huge, you know, plush buildings, first-class transportation. Uh, I remember one time I was I was at the uh, airport, the executive um, terminal at um, John Wayne Airport, and th- over the course of like thirty minutes, these these four you know big private jets pull up, and these were like thirty-seaters, not your typical you know small jet, and they they're unmarked. They pull up you know, three or four people get out of each one over the course. And we're just like, we're like, who, what is going on? Who are these people? And we find out, well, it's Baxter Health. And they're flying in for a meeting from, you know, the corners of the world. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, so, So, let's see. They own four of these things at least. And they put three or four people on each of them.
0: Right. Makes sense. That's. Absolutely, Things are rough. Things are really rough. (laughs) And then, I mean, all you have to do really too is look at the medical company's uh, stock prices since since that. And that'll basically tell the full story and everything that you need to know.
1: And in 2019, they were on track for record net profit margins, something in the neighborhood of 5.1%. And that's after you've already had all these ridiculous expenses that you didn't really need. I mean, if you operated the business more in line with you know other industries from a from an SGNA standpoint the, who the profit margin i imagine would be significantly higher right and you have well that's another you know talking about the uh, hospital systems is just as another conversation for another day maybe but
0: yeah there's definitely a lot of uh, let's just say challenges <laughs> a lot of in healthcare a lot of challenges yeah.
1: a lot of complexities that are, you know, by design.
0: Yep. And then there's solutions such as this which I found very very interesting when I was just looking at it and that's why I'm enjoying this conversation. I I know our listeners will too for alternatives for them just to let them know that there is alternatives out there when it comes to healthcare and when it comes to taking care of your family in, in this way. Um what is some of the, and and you're involved with um, human resources as well. So maybe we'll bring, we'll change gears a little bit and bring that in for uh, our listeners as well. How, the biggest challenges, maybe you can speak to some of the biggest challenges that small business owners have and what are some of the, uh, with specifically human resource challenges and what are some of the solutions that you can share with them?
1: Yeah. So wage and hour compliance is a big deal even today now, just trying to, to figure out who is an employee is a big deal, especially if you live in California in 2020 and you used to be, you know, a freelancer or independent contractor that, that situation has dramatically changed now. And, you know, you got Uber and Lyft fighting to try and change the the law so that they can continue to operate, you know, with their independent contractors. Uh, the, the 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 volume and the speed at which new laws are introduced, minimum wage laws new you know uh paid time off requirements uh it's just it's crazy and it's not something that you should take lightly or or something that you should really go go it alone on right even you know it's hard for a small business to hire the level of expertise that they need that they really need in order to run the business properly and not that you need. That level of expertise on a full-time basis, either right? You know, you you need only you know a a tenth of a of a wage an hour expert or a tenth of a of a safety um, manager or a tenth of an employee benefits specialist, right? But it's hard to find one person who has all the skill set rolled up into one. So that's why employee leasing or or professional employer organizations are such an amazing deal, is because you you. You plug into that network of experts at every phase of the employer-employee relationship, and you know, rest a whole lot easier. But yeah, wage and hour law, overtime compliance, um, compliance with paid time off requirements, even even paying tax, you know, paying federal payroll taxes. I'm still surprised. You know on a regular basis that how many companies don't seem to have a handle on that
0: life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually but also diversify their capital from any economic If you're going to be in business, I mean, one of the things that you just that I just picked up there too, with all of these regulatory things um, passing and laws passing in many different uh, states, I mean, it it could almost be a full time job just to stay on top of that and making sure that you're doing everything properly and documenting everything properly. So to bring in someone from the outside to take care of this for you is another way that you're bringing in someone and you're handing over this piece to someone that this is their unique ability. This is the value that they they provide. This is what they do. They're professionals at this so that you can stay focused on growing and scaling your business um, and focusing on what you're good at and what your organization's good at.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not rocket science in terms of why that makes sense and why you should – You should do it. And it's just, it's made even more important when, you know, government at every level is out of control, right? They can't get it. They, there's not enough time in the day for them to pass all the lovely little social programs that they want to pass, you know, and their little experiments and they get, you know, even the cities get involved, you know, which traditionally they haven't with setting, establishing laws. That affect the employee-employer relationship.
0: What size companies, Tom, would you say um, that folks have, what at what stage does it make sense for someone to have conversations with an outside company?
1: Well, I think you need outsourcing at almost any level, but when you get, when you start to get when you get to 20 employees and up, different laws start to kick in for you. So 20, 50, hundred. It, the dynamics change as an employer because new new set a new set of laws come into play. Uh, so, uh, twenty for sure, but just from a offloading perspective and you know employee satisfaction standpoint, even you know at five to twenty, I think the average in the PEO industry, at least the last time I looked you know, is probably around 25 employees per client company, but we've had clients as many as 3000 employees that find value in the relationship and they'll find, you'll find value at different levels. You know, some, for some, it might be because of benefits for others. It might be because of workers' compensation, insurance, and workplace safety. Gotcha. And, and for others, it might be HR, you know, you're, you might be a, a white collar operation and you, you know, you've got a lot of HR related issues with, you know, trying to come up, be, be creative in terms of your compensation package and, you know, the, the the other, you know, non um, health benefits that you, that you offer to people. And so you, you want to leverage outside experts to help you create that environment.
0: Now, uh, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying and learning. Uh, what are you currently studying and learning?
1: Well, I am, I'm reading uh, The Price We Pay by uh, Marty McCary and another book also called um, Healthcare Money Campfire Stories by Dr. Eric Bricker. Uh, I'm s- studying this whole medical or delivery and in, uh, insurance system that we have that's last couple of years i've kind of had my head down focused on on that uh in my kind of leisure time i love to i pretend like i know a little bit about economics so i like to read um you know all the all the guys that you interview actually those are my heroes when it comes to, to uh, you know, freedom and free markets and you know, Austrian economics, those kinds of things.
0: Fantastic. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be?
1: Well, one would be to understand that Happiness means different things to different people, and you need to find out what that means to you for it the pursuit of of status and and money i don't think is I think too many people are focused on on that, and so just keeping yourself in check um, you know and doing doing what makes you happy that's what I'm trying to teach. You know, my kids, um, I spent too much of my own time, you know, in pursuit of things that didn't make me happy. And, um, so I think that's, that's a big one. Um, I think nothing can replace integrity and, and honesty, and that's super hard to do. Um, and you have to work at it on a regular daily basis. And, um, I think the the other one would be just health. Um, I think health is a key to happiness and, you know, when you're young, you think you're always going to feel and look a certain way. And then you get older and you realize, well, oh, it takes a little effort to maintain the old, you know, high school weight, if that's even possible. And, uh, so Health, focusing on health and wellness.
0: Awesome. Uh, how can my listeners learn more about you, your company, and how can they find out more about medical cost sharing?
1: Well, we would love it if you go to gotpeerhealth.com. It's G O T, peerhealth.com. That's the place to get, get some great info and um, get in touch with us. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's uh, Thomas Rock Lindsay on LinkedIn. And um, we're also on Facebook under Got Pure Health. Our, you know, the, the, the parent company, if you will, is uh, called Accelerated. And that's, you know, if you're interested in the HR component, the, the PEO services element, then um, Accelerated, uh, A-C-C-E-L-C-G.com be the place to go for that.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners around this very interesting and unique way of uh, cutting, (laughs) taking at least almost 60%, right? Of your uh, medical insurance cost down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and thanks for having me on and um, I love your podcast and your platform and your lineup. And I mean, this is probably this is one of the top 10 best podcasts not just saying it to say it it's yeah the content that you provide and the people that you interview probably me excluded but the rest of the people
0: amazing awesome well thank you so much for that and thank you so much again for coming on the show thank you